what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. What you're hearing is a musical group called Sound of Afghanistan, Saw for short. This is from a video on their YouTube channel. It shows young women in hijab on stage in Kabul. These singers attended Marifat School. Marifat means enlightenment, a school where young Afghans, boys and girls, thrived. They sing in Dari about hope, freedom, the rights of women and girls. Our songs all about peace, educational, women's rights, girls' empowerment, that all things that we sing about our song and we had our voice in our country. That's Miriam Masumi. She was a student at Marifat School. After graduating, she became the assistant music director of Saw Group. In the video, she's just 23, barely older than the other girls. But together, they'd accomplished a lot. The group had a spot on TV, and to many, they represented the future for young women in Afghanistan. In the video, Miriam often takes center stage with this huge smile, clearly relishing the message behind the music. This concert was in March of 2021. But then we all know what happened just five months later in August. Celebratory gunfire in Kabul as the last of the American troops left Afghanistan. The end of a 20-year presence in the country, America's longest war. When the Americans pulled out and the Taliban took over, Miriam watched it unfold on the news from her home in Kabul. I saw the news that all the soldiers and our armies just they are escaping from yeah from our country and our presidents also he escaped. I feel that my dreams were gone. We were killed by Taliban. The president at the time fled Afghanistan, saying he wanted to avoid bloodshed. The airport in Kabul flooded with people wanting desperately to escape. Miriam knew that she and her students needed to get out. Their songs about female empowerment would make them a target. But soon she realized that the same thing that worked against them, their fame or notoriety, also worked in their favor. People knew about them and wanted to help. I'm Leisha Gerbinski, and this is Storylines. For many, the urgency surrounding the fall of Kabul has been replaced by new fears, new wars. But for Miriam and her students from the Marifat School, it is not over. In 2021, I followed Miriam and some of her students, reporting on how they and their families escaped Afghanistan and the people where I live, in Saskatoon, who are trying to help. It's a story that just added a new chapter. I'm going to start back in 2021. 
I'm Mujgan Samim and I'm 14 years old. I was one of the members of Saband. We sing songs uh, about the woman and about the peace, about the girls, and yeah. I'm Tamanna Sarwari and I'm 15 years old. It was like we gave lots of motivation, especially to girls, because in Afghanistan, girls and women had a bad uh, situation. Yeah, and uh, for like when we sing, we uh, send our voice to all of the women that work there with lots of problems. And for the girls that are at home and they cannot go to school, we had a message that after all of this darkness, you will have a good and bright future. Yeah. Uh, my name is Zainab Nazari. I'm 13 years old and I'm a member of SA group. I'm a singer. Uh, we give people a uh, sound of the girls and sound of the women that uh, they want a peace and they want a, a free life. There was a lot of joy and hope at Marifat School for the Saw Singers. They performed on TV and at special events for state dignitaries. The girls dreamed of becoming lawyers, teachers, and business people. But those dreams were dashed when the Taliban stormed Kabul. Miriam was at the school when a manager told her to grab her belongings and go home. It was so shocking news for everyone. There was so panic everywhere. And we just got our bags and then just run away from work to our home. When on the way, when we look at the people, all the people were very upset and very frustrated, hopeless. The Taliban are particularly aggressive towards educated women or anyone trying to further the education of women. When they will find us, they will kill us. I just believe that I will kill by Taliban. And same to my friends, same to other girls in Sang. So it was too hard and I just wanted to be not Maryam, not the singer. Yeah, just a normal person in Afghanistan. When me and my friend come out from school on that day, every people on the street, they are just running and rush everywhere. All the girls and women just crying and run away from to the to go their home. Like when I heard that Taliban is coming, it means I was the uniform of school and I cannot say. I was just running to home that how can I arrive at up to home? And then I saw a girl and she helped me to arrive up to home. And then because I was scared that how can I arrive at home? And it was so dangerous for us. For one moment, I... I can't think about future. I uh, for all of the moment, all the moments that I had at school at um, with with my classmates, I had uh, lots of memories. I in one minute I review all of them in front of my eyes, and uh, after that, I I become hopeless that no more I can go to school, and I should wear a. Uh, None of the girls would return to Marifat school. 
Tamina stayed in her room for days, writing in her diary, trying to stay positive. Miriam was deleting and throwing out all evidence of her teaching and music career. We just remove all the charts, remove all the pictures from our mobiles, all the songs that we had in our mobile and in our computer. Just we remove all of them. The songs were about freedom, rights for women and girls, and democracy. And while Mariam worried about her students, her own mother was worrying about her. Because I was a singer and uh, we had many songs on YouTube and Taliban are against our activity. It was so hopeless. They wouldn't sing together on stage again. It was far too dangerous for the girls to even get together. They were alone in their rooms, wishing, sometimes singing, for peace. At the time, Miriam and the girls didn't know that a small group of people around the globe were coming together to help. Their goal was to get people who were at risk out of Afghanistan. Uh, my name is Mohammad Behruzian. Mohammed is originally from Afghanistan. He now lives in Chicago and works in communication. And I'm a founding member of the 30 Birds Foundation. 30 Birds Foundation is a small but mighty organization created in response to the Taliban takeover. The lawyers, journalists, and human rights activists who make up 30 Birds would change everything for Miriam and some of her students. First, Mohammed worked on getting his own family members out of Afghanistan. Then he and the group turned their attention to the Marafat school. They really embodied the progressive Afghanistan we wanted to achieve in our lifetime. And uh, the school championed values of democracy and civic engagement and deliberation and critical thinking, everything that in today's Afghanistan will put you in, in, in risk. And so Mohammed and his group started a rescue operation to get some of the Marafat students, mainly the girls and their families, out of Afghanistan. It started with a phone call to Miriam from her school principal. It was early in the morning and he asked me, uh, please collect all the IDs of uh, SA group, all girls, and uh, send back to me. Miriam became the main contact between 250 people in Kabul and Mohammed's group. She began compiling everyone's personal information so that travel documents could be prepared secretly. The volunteers with 30 Birds were on different continents, in different time zones. Their meetings often happened in the middle of the night. Miriam would sometimes call her students' families at 2 or 3 in the morning, figuring out who from the family could be part of the escape. All the while, 30 Birds had to step very carefully. We didn't want people to have messages from us on their phones or messages from us that in any way connect them to the, to the West or evacuations or anything that would uh, create a flag. It, it, I have to say, it was a very um, delicate and, and risky uh, operation. One month after the Taliban had taken over, Miriam was able to tell her students and families, pack your bags. Chartered flights had been arranged to evacuate them from Afghanistan. Tamina recalls that moment, packing her belongings, but having to leave almost everything behind, including the journal she'd kept since she was a little girl. 
the only thing that I wanted to take with, with me was my uh, diary notebook. But unfortunately, I couldn't take because uh, there's uh, no space. And uh, I just have my two dress, nothing else. The families were then told to travel individually by bus or taxi to the northern city of Mazari Sharif, where they would board their chartered flights. This is a very volatile time in Afghanistan. And so we're, t- we're talking about more than 250 people. There are men, women, children, and vulnerable people. We are moving them in groups. These would become prized targets for the Taliban. These are people that uh, you know, were opposite to the Afghanistan that Taliban wants. And if we had made a mistake, if people had been caught by the Taliban. We did not know what may have happened. Miriam and the families would stay in that city for two terrifying weeks, waiting for the flight. We just hide from the Taliban. Yeah, and the outside, all the Taliban just going, walking around and just saying, put your mask, put your hijabs and you have to come with your husbands or men or your sons. You don't come alone yourself in the markets or outside. I hear because they speak on the speakers. We are in hotel and Taliban come in our hotel. They are searching. I think they come and they come to kill us. Not only did the Taliban search their hotel rooms, their nights were filled with the sound of gunshots. No one was sleeping. And then they received some bad news. Their chartered flights out of Afghanistan had been called off. The Taliban had taken over the city's airport. They would have to go back to Kabul, taking public buses and passing Taliban checkpoints. I just called all the students and the families again and shared the news for them. And it, yeah, all the people was so scared. And how about the way? How about the checkpoints? Well, how should we go? What would you do when you were stopped by a member of the Taliban? Who would you call in a country that has fallen where embassies have very little influence? We are really talking about an insurgent group that uh, is hostile to women, that has demonstrated that it is hostile to progressive values, that it is hostile to the very basics of civility, and, and on top of that is very scattered. There is not a certain chain of command that functions. So you could be, you know, If you run into a member of the Taliban A, you might be just questioned. Uh, But if you ran into the wrong person, you really might risk your life. We need to take a quick break. Storylines will be right back. From CBC Podcasts and The Fifth Estate, Brainwashed is a multi-part investigation into the CIA's experiments in mind control. From the Cold War and MKUltra to the so-called War on Terror, we learn about a psychiatrist who used his patients as human guinea pigs and what happens when the military and medicine collide. Listen to Brainwashed on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The families had to be cautious as they took buses and cars back to Kabul, deleting Miriam's messages from their phones immediately after receiving them. Miriam was so stressed she became ill, but no one was giving up. Mohammed and his group got special permits from the Pakistani government for all 250 people to follow a land route from Kabul through Jalalabad in eastern Afghanistan to cross the Torkham border into Pakistan, a journey that would take them more than 16 hours by car. They were one step closer, but not safe yet. It was so scared and scary moment, yeah. When we faced with the checkpoints of Taliban, one of in the city of Surubi, one of the city of Afghanistan, the, uh, the checkpoints just stopped our car. Miriam sat in the back seat with her mother and younger sister. She tucked her hair into her hijab, pulled a face mask over her mouth and nose, and avoided eye contact. Miriam's brother sat in the front passenger seat, the Taliban soldier approached her brother and asked, where are you coming from and where are you going? We are so scared, though. What should we do? They will kill us. And then just they checked our bag and then they said, what is inside the bags? Uh, my mom said, nothing. It's just our holy crown and uh, our clothes. Yeah, and then they checked our bag and then they said, you can go. I just crying on that time and I looked my mom mom's face she's also crying and yeah just we continue our journey Miriam and her family had to cross two more Taliban checkpoints before reaching the border each time they explained to the soldiers they needed to get medical care for their mother in Pakistan the weather was so hot Miriam kept her phone hidden in the back pocket of her pants, under the dress and hijab she wore to appease the Taliban. She snuck away once to call Mohammed to say they were almost at the border crossing. She also texted the other families about checkpoints, what to be cautious of, advising the women to cover their faces for modesty, then turned off her phone and hid it again. The other families trailed behind, awaiting word from Miriam or Mohammed to know if it would be safe to continue. Mohammed and his group waited too. We were all of us up uh, from both sides of the ocean. So we had people in the UK and the US that were up into uh, the early hours of the morning. Some of us had never met each other in person. But uh, there we were on Zoom, some of us in our pajamas, some in our beds, tracking who is where and what experience they have had on the road, relaying messages to the following group. So we didn't know how the Taliban would treat these permission letters from the government of Pakistan and how the Pakistani officials would behave uh, in admitting these people. While Mohammed and his team were waiting anxiously, Maryam and her family were approaching the border, now on foot. As the Taliban patrolled the area, the men and women had to line up separately. Maryam's brother was first in line. He soon called for his sister to join him because she spoke Urdu, the same language as the Pakistani border guard. Maryam was able to explain then the real reason for their journey, that they were escaping the Taliban. They waited while the guard checked their Afghan IDs and the travel passes that Mohammed's team had obtained. 
Then the guard waved them on, allowing them and the other girls with them to pass. Miriam's brother filmed the moment she, her mother, her sister, and one of her students crossed the border into Pakistan. Their faces are beaming, knowing that they've made it. When we crossed the border, it was so beautiful moment. I just feel that I born again in my life. Yeah, it was unforgettable moment for me and for my family. And it was the last time that I see my country. Once we had our first evacuee cross the border and board a bus, uh, I think we all, you know, cheered on our on our Zoom calls and we started taking, you know, screenshots because it was really a moment of triumph for us. It, it was a really great moment of celebration because that was really the first time in weeks that we had felt and could see some light. Miriam and her family were soon joined by others. In a video recorded by Miriam, we see half a dozen of her students in Islamabad. They're sitting outside in a circle, singing. Over the span of three days, every single member of their rescue operation, more than 200 people, crossed the border into Pakistan and into safety. Even though they felt incredibly relieved, Maryam and her students did not know where they were going next. Partway through their stay in Islamabad, Maryam learned they would be going to Canada, to Saskatoon, She googled it and saw photos of a beautiful river flowing through a city. Finally, after a month, Miriam completed all of the paperwork for the more than 200 people who fled Kabul, and they made it here to Saskatchewan. This is the moment when they arrived and got a warm welcome from the people of Saskatoon. Tamina recalls that day. I was happy and also unhappy. Happy because that I can uh, go another country, I can read, I can study, I can improve, but unhappy because that I leave my country and now uh, I will miss my country because I have lots of good memories there. Since Miriam and the girls arrived in Saskatoon, the girls attend school every day. Miriam volunteers at a community radio station She's also started performing again. It is difficult to watch what's happening in their country. Girls over the age of 11 can't attend school. The children who do go risk their lives. When I watch all the videos, I just crying. I, I really feel bad for the girls that they are not permitted to go to school. And the young generation that every day they are, they are killed by bomb blasting. Why? Sometimes just I imagine myself in Kabul and it is too hard. It is too hard. 
when i think about my aunts and ab- about my uncles family that they are living and they are just trying to get a chance to come out from the country and i always worried about about their future about their life there nowadays it, it is so scary moment for everyone in kabul in afghanistan All the girls long for Afghanistan, including Tamina. She bought herself a pink notebook to replace her old diary that she left behind in Kabul. She sits in her room trying to rewrite her childhood memories. And she writes about her dreams, the things she wants to accomplish that will hopefully take her back to her home. I really want to help um, the people that uh, are in Afghanistan. I don't know why. when i had this decision to go back afghanistan go back afghanistan and i i want to help all those people that nowadays they have they have in trouble with taliban it's my dream to go and help them maryam also dreams of a time when the taliban no longer control her country i believe that one day we will see the afghanistan freedom and so many improvement i believe myself in afghanistan one day yeah in a peaceful afghanistan it's been close to 2 years since mariam told me that she's still in saskatoon she bought a house she drives a car and has found work with a settlement organization The girls are older, most still in high school. Today, Saskatoon has welcomed more than 450 people from Afghanistan who were sponsored by 30 Birds. And on December 2nd, just last month, something amazing happened. 21-year-old Zara Mohammadi is the last bird to land safely in Saskatoon. I spoke to her for the CBC Saskatchewan Noon Show. She was a bundle of raw energy. Hello, Zara. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our city. Thank you. You've had quite a journey, and so how are you feeling today? I just feeling fresh because outside is still cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how have you been settling in here in Saskatoon? Uh, I'm just meeting my friends. They are so. kind they are my besties when did you last see some of those friends it's about 2 years yeah mm-hmm. it's about 2 years they just send me here and i'm happy to be here because of my friends i'm living with masuma i just i'm just happy to have them here so you're the last person from 30 birds to arrive hey i hope that i'm i don't be the last because uh, one of my two of my friends in uh, Kabul they have a very bad life you know that i just uh, think that if i'm the last bird it's so hard for me because uh, you know that my friends just they are hopeless and i don't like this name the last bird yeah i don't like this name <laughs> yeah you know that yeah cuz there's yeah there's people that you're thinking about that are still there yeah
That's all for Storylines this week. Today's episode was produced by me and Allison Cook. The show's producer is AC Rowe. I'm Leisha Gerbinski. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.